and welcome to Move the Line. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here, as always, by my friends, Connor Allen, John Daigle. Connor, I'm going to start with you. I know you've been uh, a little bit under the weather, as you know, what we're seeing in the NFL. Uh, us in the fantasy space are not immune to it either. How are we doing today? Uh, yeah, been better. Uh, I had a combination of like still feeling some effects of the flu, pretty hungover today. Went to my first hockey game last night, which is awesome. Got to see Ovechkin's 800th goal. Of course, I bet on it. So, you know, talk about running hot there. Hopefully, just get some of that to transfer over to the football streets here pretty soon. Retire on top is a. Uh... I'm the best hockey Todd in the game right now. I mean, 25 to one on him to score a Hattie, like, you know, only me. Look at you. you using terminology like Hattie as well. You're all in. Uh, Daigle, week uh, 15, bud. We're almost uh, late at the end of the tunnel. How are we doing? 15. Woke up this morning, and what I was feeling starting around this time last week, like this was the first day where I actually felt normal again, thankfully. So good to go. Ready to talk week 15. Uh, Saturday games begin for the next two weeks as well. So lots to get to. My wife not thrilled to find out that there is no uh, one's <laughs> anyone, everyone in everyone's yeah. personal life is not excited about Saturday games, especially the next two weeks with Christmas Eve, 11 games, three games on Christmas. And then you look ahead, New Year's Day, a full slate as well. I haven't told her about that yet. Let her do the math and figure that out when we get there. And, you know, we cross small bridges uh, at a time. But uh, yeah, the thing, the, Full slate on New Year's or on Christmas Eve is is uh, definitely something to really in the space. It's really hard. Like we are grinding again hard. We get to talk about football. So like I, I want to really be careful about, you know, contextualizing this, you know, complaints because we're all very, very, very lucky to get to do what we do. Sunday, Saturday for me is like the one day that's carved out for family. Don't really sweat or bet college football that much anymore. Uh, we'll tail if I feel like there's some good advice that we have, but it's not something that I'm grinding. It is really just like once people fall asleep Saturday night, start to maybe build some DFS lineups, look at any news, wait for the Schefter bombs. But it's really otherwise very much a family day. Uh, this definitely shifts uh, at this time of year. And hey, it's uh, par for the course. And, you know, we get to take the good with the bad. But uh, again, don't feel sorry for us. It's, uh, it's a good time to be there. And again, I know folks out there want, you know, to break up the slate and have you know, Friday football, we could bet on this. We could do two game DFS slates on these days and these days. And those folks are very, very happy this time of year. So TJ Hernandez is the one who threw the grenade in the room at me and said, we're doing a DFS chat Saturday morning, Christmas Eve. And I was like, well, one, that's a problem because it's Christmas Eve, but we're still going to do it for everyone. If you're a four for four, we're going to have our usual 30 minute conversation Christmas Eve morning. Not only that, but I also said, well, Silva's also hosting a party the night before. So uh, I'm going to sound like Connor every Sunday morning. Like he sounds in his chat. Good luck. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm rolling up just wounded, like a little, you know, a little dead animal basically essentially. So yeah, that's going to be a rough chat for you. Good luck. You're a few years away from pulling the full silver and just leaning back in your chair on Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a whole nother topic, but it should be interesting. Connor said some, you know, early in the season was rough, the set, the Sunday morning chats, but I think he's, you know, he's come in ready to go on Sunday morning. You know, I think he, you know, got through wedding season, um, you know, it slowed down a little bit, you know, didn't have a million friends getting married every Saturday stacked on top of each other. Uh, so there was able to, you know, maybe not come in hungover every week. So I, I don't know if you have looked ahead either, but uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas weekend, dude, it gets to negative three in Chicago, like the true winter is coming faster than we are prepared for here. Yikes. 
Yeah. Well, so anyway, yeah. we hit our lives. Let's talk football. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, reminder uh, for the rest of the year, we live here Wednesday nights, 730 Eastern, uh, discussing our favorite games on the board, taking your questions as well. If you happen to be hanging out with us on YouTube, uh, subscribe. We have two YouTube channels though as well. So the old school four for four football. Uh, we also have a four for four bets page that has unique content. You should check that out as well. Um, lots of great stuff going on over there. You want to be subscribed to the YouTube page, especially the four for four football one is because we have a live chat coming up with John Paulson. Uh, let me get the details. I had that earlier. I want to make sure you can only get this if you are subscribed to our YouTube page. Um, so a very unique chat because this time of year, in, especially in fantasy, it is crunch time, right? You need to be making these start sit decisions to win your league. That start sit Q&A is on Friday. Uh, it's the 16th, 3.30 Eastern on the 444 YouTube page. So subscribe to that um, and jump into that Q&A with Paulson. Again, I want to remind you too, we have two Move the Line episodes every week still. Um, again, here on YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. In addition to this game preview, Connor and I uh, are joined by Pat Mayo on Fridays, 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, to talk about props. So that is our prop drop show, again, live on the 444 YouTube page. Uh, you want to check that out. And, uh, again, props have been going very, very well of late, and you don't want to miss that. So uh, that's where you get all the goodies. You know, Connor's chasing his bad QB unders. Um, we're in the tackle streets pretty heavily. They're starting to release them a little bit more, which is good. So uh, check that out, prop drop. Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Again, the season's almost over. Uh, again, fantasy the fantasy subscription of 4 for 4 is a little different than the betting sub because the betting sub, we actually have season-long content for you. We are covering multiple sports, NBA, college basketball, MMA. We've been covering the World Cup. Um, we'll be getting into the draft season, both on the uh, football side uh, and basketball side as well. So the betting sub right now is massively discounted if you go over to 444.com slash plans. Um, you can also use the promo code next level, one word, uh, all caps, 25% off on top of what's already marked down. That's going to take you through the end of February. Again, covering you through all of the football, all of the, uh, you know, start of draft season a little bit, but then all the Super Bowl betting and all that stuff too. So 444.com slash plans, promo code next level. Again, that's going to cover you through all the playoff stuff. Daigle's going to be, you know, like he does with everything. He's got his hands and everything. Uh, he's doing uh, playoff content now uh he and tj will still be doing dfs stuff that's all covered there if you're playing in any of the pick'em sites price picks underdog vivid we got channels for all that as well in our subscriber discord so again uh check that out 444.com slash plans all right guys um playoff implications this time of year we got a bunch of games on the slate that i think really start to matter again we have you know four weeks out but a lot of them are starting to shape um I went ahead. I got five games for us. And the last game I'm going to talk about is the Thursday game, because I think the Thursday game is pretty interesting and matters. So listeners to the podcast can um, aren't going to be bogged down by the Thursday takes to the top. If you want to hang around and listen, you can scroll all the way to the end. You can check that out for the Thursday stuff. Or if you're watching live, that'll come up at the end. Um, but we'll start out again with our nightcap on Saturday. We have three games. Uh, massive playoff implications in my, with Miami and Buffalo here. We see where our line movement is as of now. Seven and a half is the number at most spots. DraftKings has a seven on Buffalo here. Total is dropped massively. 43 and a half. There's a 43 on MGM. Um, and that makes sense. This time here in Buffalo, the weather is going to play a factor. Um, and we are looking at lake effect snow. We're looking at 30 mile an hour gusts right around kickoff. Tough recipe for any team. Magnified in this spot with a South Florida team 
on the road that is scuffling a bit. Uh, the wild part is this is a rematch from a crazy week three game in September that had a little bit of everything there. I mean, we had like the uh, butt punts. Um, that was littered with guys missing plays and leaving the game due to cramps and dehydration because of the heat. JD, we're on the other side of it now. Uh, talk to me about the scuffling Dolphins and the Bills. And we're on the other side of it so much that I didn't have confidence in any of these offenses in dry weather, let alone in cold weather. Uh, we have to now, as we mentioned last week, definitely point to the fact that Tua looked great against the Lions, Bears, Browns, and Texans. And then he's completed just 46% of his passes against the 49ers and Chargers these past two games. And then you look on the other side of the ball, Josh Allen, 8.3 yards per attempt, 19 passing touchdowns through week eight. And then since week nine, and maybe it's because of the elbow injury. I'm not so sure. It could also correlate with uh, just the offense being different, having to change their ways according to the defenses and the harder schedule they've played as well. But since week nine, just six and a half yards per attempt, only seven plus passing touchdowns in those six starts. Uh, in this six-game stretch as well, Bills are only averaging 2.1 points per drive, which would take them outside of the top 10 and basically make them just above a league average offense. And it's weird because in their last matchup against the Dolphins in week three, like that's when DC Josh Boyer did blitz the hell out of Josh Allen. And he completed 77% of his passes for 200 yards, two touchdowns, 9.2 yards per attempt in that game. But since week nine as well, he's been awful against the blitz. Five yards per attempt, no touchdowns, no interceptions as well. Basically just dumping it off for no gain. So yeah, I have no confidence in either of these offenses. If you told me like to pick one, I think I would actually rather pick Tua in this spot given that the Bills are still leaking production through the air. But overall, if you say pick a side, like I'm actually just taking the hook here and saying uh, seven and a half points is enough in what I think is going to be a low-scoring game. Yeah, and we've seen that, Connor. And, and maybe it's a combination of what Daigle's talking about, too. It's not just weather concerns. It's about maybe some scuffling offenses to have what have been elite offenses all season. But again, it's we talked about it last week a little bit. Like, yeah, the Niners did what the Niners did, and they had success. But it's going to be really hard to replicate that because not everyone has those dudes. And the Chargers did it without Bosa, without Derwin James, and they really got to Tua. Um, you've been a Tua guy from jump. Um, I don't think anyone should be jumping ship after two bad games, but defend your guy. Uh, let me know what you think about this matchup. Well, the way that the defenses are basically counteracting what the Dolphins do well is they're, they're getting really physical with Tyreek and Waddle in the line and basically saying like, okay, we're probably going to give up one to two plays over the top, but they're, they're bracketing him. They're getting really physical in the line, really trying to take away those like intermediate to deep spaces uh, for the Dolphins. And so you're Mike McDaniel now two weeks in a row of that happening. I think you have to go back to the drawing board in some senses and either get either the quick game going or you have to get the running game going because that was something that was like notably absent, I think in, in recent weeks. And it's something that they necessarily haven't had to rely on, but I feel like they kind of thought that they always could if they needed to. And when they needed it most, they could not. Uh, so I kind of anticipate in this spot, them like just really trying to run the ball a little bit more, because if they get any kind of running game that opens up a lot with play action in terms of just the way they're schematically, you know, running things. And I feel like that in a, from a coach's mindset can make a massive difference to them. So like, in my opinion, I think, especially given the conditions, like they're like, okay, the passing game we got going on is not working out. Like I could see a ton of running uh, and just like focusing on uh, Raheem Mostert here. And I think Jeff Wilson was out uh, practice today, but if he gets in there too, I feel like 
Both of them could see a heavy dose of the ball here. I would lean with the plus seven and a half just because I think that the hook is important there. I think it's, I don't think that the bills like blow, you know, the doors off here in any way. So I think that seven and a half is, a, is an interesting look, but nothing that I love because again, like I don't have a ton of confidence in them happening after they couldn't beat like a, a chargers B team squad, you know, like they couldn't adjust to that. Like they had no answers, you know, even mid game at all on anything. And so that was pretty concerning for me. Yeah, that, for me too. I mean, obviously, without Von Miller's is not the same pass rush that it has been all season. They can still get pressure with their front four. Tredavious White's back. Um, you know, bolsters the back end for them a little bit too. Um, Dagla, you know, what do we do here with the weather? Like, again, I know it's really hard to play weatherman on a Wednesday night, you know, a full 72 hours out from this game. Um, but what can we expect? I mean, if it's looking like game time, a little before game time, we're going to have some snow, but like 30 mile per hour gusts, at this point, uh, we know is above, I think, the threshold of of being concerned. How should we be kind of approaching the game plan for this? I don't even know, to be honest, because I don't like predicting the weather for Sunday. I would be worried about the wind for sure, but the snow has never really concerned me in any football game. So, yeah, I'm just going to play it by ear, take it to Saturday night. But if it is 30 mile per hour winds for sure sustaining throughout the game or expected to, I could I could see myself being much lower than, you know, what this total is already sunk to 42 points, considering it opened up at 48. Yeah, I was seeing uh, it looks like like light snow, like flurries. And then I was seeing like sustained winds in the 10 to 15 range with gusts like up to 30, like you were saying. So I think that the, it's like it's interesting because like Daigle said, the snow is not enough to really matter. The wind is like kind of matters if the projections are right. And then the cold kind of matters as well, because it the feels like temperature will be like in the teens or like really low 20s. So like all that stuff together might add up to matter a little bit. Uh but it also might not. So, you know, I feel like that's kind of tough right now. It's definitely a play it by your situation at the moment. Yeah. Dan's mentioning in the chat, um, teams are 45.7% against the spread in the third straight road game. This is the second year in a row that Miami's played the third game of three straight road games in Buffalo. Um, so the scheduling gods not being super kind to them in terms of in division, tough matchups. So, Again, a couple on the West Coast, now back on the East Coast um, and trying to get right. And suddenly, like, this is a tough little matchup for them, obviously. And then playoff pitcher is a little bit rocky behind them. So, like, not that this is a must win for them, but I definitely didn't think we'd be here a couple weeks ago with the way this team was, was you know, absolutely cruising. So, going to be an interesting one. I kind of agree with you guys. Like, I, I wish that I had a little bit more confidence in, in what we've seen out of either squad of late. I feel like the hook probably matters. Probably a stay away from me at this point. Um, would love to see what happens and how the market shapes. And if others are scared of the weather as we kind of get closer to, to kick. Because like I said, I mean, I feel like we have a pretty good idea of what's going to be coming. But again, weather day of even at times can be tricky. So, you know, looking 72 hours out is a pretty dicey decision when you're trying to, you know, make actually market shaping decisions around it. Next game, we have the Giants on the road in Washington. I believe Washington, for the most part, four and a half. Uh, this game has got uh, shifted into the primetime Sunday slot. Yeah, four and a half across the board. 40 and a half is the total here, uh, which is interesting. Running back the Week 13 tie. A gift, really, to both teams as it relates to the NFC playoff pitcher, especially considering Seattle's loss last week to Carolina. Commanders coming off the bye. Um it's hard to imagine that they don't make the playoffs with a win here, which is not what we had thought, especially early in the Carson Wentz iteration of this team. She 538 has the commander's playoff odds 
um, at 91% with a win here. So they, they are almost guaranteed a win here. Uh, Giants on the outside looking in, just a 25% chance to make the playoffs if they don't win this game and the injuries continue to mount up. Richie James, uh, the fact that he even matters, and we have to talk about uh, Richie James mattering to the Giants, speaks volumes. To where we're at, he's in the concussion protocol. Uh, he is in danger of missing this one. Saquon Barkley, true game time decision last week, clearly beaten up, really is going to need to carry them down the stretch. He was not on the injury report on Wednesday, so that is encouraging. Uh, but again, tough slate for him here um, against a pretty strong Washington team. Again, coming off the bye, uh, Dave, let you get started with this, uh, again, important playoff game in the NFC. Are we getting Chase Young? So the Chase Young stuff is wild to me. That We're like over a year in that he is like questionable into every game. Um, I don't know how they don't know like that he's ready to go or not. If he's definitely questionable. I don't even know why we like – flirt with him being close because I feel like he's been close for a month. Um, let me pull up the injuries here. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. It's still him just yeah. basically questionable. So I wasn't sure if anyone else heard anything else. No, not yet. All right. Well, uh, you know, last time we saw these two teams play, it was pretty fluky for Washington's offensive side of the ball. They had averaged 28 pass attempts per game compared to 38 um, with Taylor Heineke compared to Carson Wentz. And then, of course, they play 70 minutes of useless football, and Heineke throws 41 passes. I think we're going to see a much sluggish, slow-it-down game between Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, both who were limited on Wednesday a bit. I expect them to play. And I just, I still don't understand where the Giants are going to get any amount of product. Like, where they're, who's going to produce for them? I just don't know. Uh, whether we get Chase Young here or not, considering – you know, we keep talking about it now, but in his last five games, Saquon Barkley averaging just 79 yards per game. Uh, also, look at, you mentioned Richie James, but Darius Slayton, more of an explosive player. That's why Isaiah Hodgins has scored touchdowns in back-to-back games, but he's basically become their number one wide receiver in this time. So I just don't have, I think, honestly, the wheels have fallen off. I don't have anything to sell on the Giants winning a slower game that I expect Washington just run the ball heavily with. So yeah, it's, this is ugly. It's, it's hideous. Yeah. Got to be uh, on the dock here though, Connor, because we got to talk about it because it matters uh, definitely in relation to some other stuff, but I, it I matters to who gets knocked out in the first round. Yes. Right. No, I know. We the same thing two weeks ago. And we have to talk about this one. It's like all of a sudden this game matters in relation to uh, real football, but uh, yeah, hard to deviate off of much of what Connor or what Daigle said there, Connor. Yeah, well, what I found was interesting is I, I had like the exact same thought. I'm like, okay, well, it'll probably be a slow, close game. I think the Commanders are a better team, uh, but I, I don't love the Commanders either. you know. Uh, and so the spread is four and a half. I feel like that's uh, – I would have put it at like three and a half. I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's a little bit of value here with the Giants, but am I taking the Giants in this spot? Absolutely not. Uh, because, again, I have the same question. How are they going to move the ball? But I've asked that for – I don't know, the entire season almost at this point. Like, at least for a while, you could rely on maybe a big play from Saquon. Now you're not even getting that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I feel like I still think that Washington is the better team. Like you said, I think that they're probably three and a half points better. Four and a half, I mean, it's like kind of a dead number. So, like, you basically need them to win by six or seven points. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I can't bet on that. So, uh, I feel like for me, it's just a pass. This is the time of the year where a lot of games, just if you watch them, it's only for work. And like this game is work because this oh, yeah. game definitely like, it, yes, it matters in the context of football, but it also doesn't matter in the context of football. 
It's laborious this, to this watch. Ga- this. this game is not going to change the world. <laughs> no, not not a bold comment. I'll be watching it for Julian Love tackle props. I imagine uh, we'll chase the Julian Love train again. I mean, we've talked about it a lot lately because the wheels have started to come off. But I feel like you got to give Wink Kafka Dable a ton of credit here because they've really been overperforming all season, and the fact that they're even still like mid December in the mix. Both sides of the ball, especially on offense, have been terrific in the red zone um, in relation to like their base metrics. Like they are a top five offense um, in the red zone and they're significantly better. They're like one of the worst defenses in the league, uh, but they're like middle of the pack and a little above average inside the red zone. And that's kind of, you know, you can make a case that there's a lot of noise in that. And that sometimes would obviously regress over a larger sample than we'll ever get in a football season. It just isn't going to ever statistically give us a large enough sample to feel like it's uh you know actionable or there's something there but also like there's definitely something where we have to give it to the coaching and this is one of those spots where feel like that this team has been able to definitely maximize the talent that they've had especially as the injuries have started to mount so i do think at a certain point the wheels are going to fall off um i actually really so that we can watch good football in the playoffs hope that that happens because i would hate to be in a spot where we're having to watch a you know giants buccaneers playoff game uh which would be just an abysmal um three hours that we would have to do but it could happen theoretically so i mean we're gonna get bucks commanders then instead so it's gonna be just equally as i mean watching the nfc in the playoffs is just gonna be like horrible for the wild it will be the worst wild card weekend like ever i know because if we don't get bucks we get panthers i don't know if that's any better don't even start we can't think about this it's close i mean we're in a spot where if well we're not because we're not talking about those teams if the panthers win this week against the steelers and the Bucks lose against the Bengals. We're going to talk about that that game. Then that Week 17 matchup against the, with the Panthers and the Bucks could very well be for the playoff spot, the NFC South crown, which is a wild place to be. But um, hey, this is where we are. Luckily, the AFC playoff picture, um, assuming that my Patriots gracefully bow out, uh, we should have a bunch of really good games. Unfortunately, the Patriots are still sticking their nose in there. Um but yeah, they belong in the NFC playoff picture. They, they fit in really nicely. Panthers control their own destiny regardless, and they're not even doing anything. They're averaging 21 pass attempts with Sam Darnold. They're averaging 40 running back carries per game the last two weeks. Like, they don't do anything. So ridiculous. Defense is playing pretty good. Dude, we, we need the pandemic to happen again. Like, this, <laughs> this the fact, the fact they added rules to the NFL and made it like the worst product possible, I just don't get it. Like, who wanted this? No one wanted this. Stop throwing flags. <laughs> we need the pandemic back. It's, it's true. You sound it's like true. Silva. <laughs> this is absurd. It's not a compliment. There are four uh, teams. There are four unders under 40 this week. There are, I think, five teams with 18. No, six teams with 18 point team totals are under. Like, who's good? Where's the good football? I just want not a lot of good, good teams. football. Yeah. There's not a lot of them. So, oh, next game, a couple of buzzy teams, teams that have been playing uh, better football. Definitely not a, th- a spot that I thought we'd be highlighting um, in our preseason previews. Lions on the road in New York to face the Jets. Uh, shop around here, depending on your preference, because this is out there. Uh, DraftKings has the Jets a one-point favorite. Caesars has it as a pick. FanDuel has the Lions as a one-point favorite. So there are definitely different ways to again we're just kind of working around zero but you know in terms of like plus money on the money line this would be impactful there 44 and a half is the total basically painted across the board 
definitely an interesting one. Uh, interconference game, but again, immense playoff implications here. Lions head to New York on the back of a solid win at home against the Vikings. They've won five of their past six. Um, and very winnable games on the schedule from here out. We referenced the splits a bunch on various shows. The on-off stuff with Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, when they're active, is wild. This is basically a bottom five offense in the league when they're out and a top five offense in the league when they are active. The test is a bit tougher here this week on the road in the cold, which is not Jared Goff's forte historically. And this Jets defense is wreaking havoc of late, Tegel. Um, it's going to be an interesting one. Hopefully, maybe some of the better football of the week. And I lean towards the Jets' money line. If it's if it's minus one somewhere, which it was when I bet it on Monday, I just ate the points and laid minus 120. But right now, since Detroit's buy, they actually have made a change and just playing more stack boxes and stopping the run. They haven't allowed a single 75-yard uh, performance on the ground in that time. But opponents know that as well, and that's why teams are now averaging 37 passes attempts against them since week eight. And that's exactly how the Mike White Jets have played in their last three games, allowing White to average 43 pass attempts. And White, where he's been the worst, has been the red zone, just 9-22 to for one touchdown, one pick inside the 20. But that's also where the Lions are allowing the, the third highest touchdown rate is inside the red zone. So I think we do see a boost here. And it's also just the fact that the Lions now, they stayed at home for three consecutive games. This is going to be their first road game since November 20th. And we know that Jared Goff, just two touchdowns in five games on the road compared to 20 touchdowns in eight games at home. Uh, drastic difference. And two of those games came with Amon Ron Swift against the Bears and Giants. There's really no excuse for him to have that drastic of splits. I think it's just simply because uh, the Ford field is genuinely the coolest field of the NFL. So yeah, I, I think it's a terrible spot for the Lions and the Lions defense here. Lions defense are still getting run over for 26 points and six yards for play on the road this year as well. So I like Mike White and the Jets to win outright. Mike White took a beating last week, Connor. Um, even spent a little bit of time in the hospital. Uh, ribs were beat up, you know, concerned about who's making the start here because I think it definitely changes the dynamic of this game. Um, but it looks like all signs, Robert Sala talking today, that it looks like Mike White's going to be the guy. Um, I know we've talked a lot. I think we both remember vividly that Rams-Bears game where like the Rams just could not be stopped. The Bears were kind of mediocre. Defense was better than the offense, but like they went there and laid an absolute egg, egg with Jared Goff and his small, cold hands. Uh, again, I know it's not going to be like frigid, in New York, but it's going to be cold, and it's not, to Daigle's point, going to be the comfy indoor, um, you know, Ford Field weather conditions here. Yeah, I mean, Jared Goff, California boy, went to Cal, never played out in cold, has literally played four career games in 35 degrees or colder, even in the NFL right now. Uh, in those games, just one touchdown, five turnovers, has averaged fewer than six yards per attempt in three of those games. Negative completion percentage over expectation in three of the four as well. And they scored fewer than 10 points in two of those games as well. Uh, and now, uh, you know, kind of running into a buzzsaw here. There's just some multiple factors because we look at who the Jet, who the Lions have faced, right? And kind of like, like you, the, the war has been restored, right? That's fine. You know, they've been playing better offensively. But four, four of their last five games have come against the Bears where they scored 31 points, who's 31st in DVOA. The Giants, 26 in DVOA. They scored 31 points. Buffalo, where they played well against, but it was kind of a, a fluky game, in my opinion. Then Jacksonville, 30th in pass defense DVOA, 
Minnesota, 27th pass defense DVOA. They've literally been just wrecking bad teams, which you can't say that like they did their job. That's good. But now they're facing a much tougher test on the road, outside. So I'm really worried about this Lions offense. But I mean, there's also been some, you know, some rumblings that Mike White not be may not be good to go for this game. Uh, and so Zach Wilson would be drawing the start. Uh, for me, that leads to me taking the under here. I think 44 and a half is way too high if we see Zach Wilson start because without Zach Will without um yeah, Zach Wilson starting, the Jets with Joe Flacco, with Mike White have passed the ball a ton, have been fine with just letting their quarterbacks play within the system. With Zach Wilson, they've been one of the run heaviest teams because they want to hide him and they want to kind of like keep him within that structure. Now he did play within that structure against Buffalo, but still like I have no faith in that happening. Uh, so I think that the under here with Detroit, uh, Detroit's offense laying an egg and then the Jets probably skewing massively run heavy unless they fall like way behind. So I think we're probably going to see like a low scoring run heavy game here if Zach Wilson starts, which uh, I mean, again, I don't I don't know how likely at this point, but there's definitely been a, a quiet drum beat uh, you know, going on in the background here. Definitely changed the dynamic of things, right? Like I mean, we just like you said, shifted philosophy, shifts game plans, shift the whole way. I think that this team uh, kind of operates. So I would think that Amon Ross still probably gets there when you think about how stout the Jets passing game is. really been on the outside, right? DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner, Michael Carter in the slot has been a spot where teams with really good slots have been able to work a little bit. So I think Amon Ross probably pretty safe um, in terms of his workload here. Uh, obviously, Garrett Wilson would be a, in a great spot, I think, with Mike White. I'd feel obviously a little more trepidation if this is a, a Zach Wilson game. But uh, yeah, I mean... Um, I kind of like your lean. 44 is a, a key number in total, so the half there is is pretty viable too. Um, because again, they, that, I think just the foot off the gas comes massively with the way that the Jets played with Zach Wilson. I think they just do try to hide him and and get this game over with as quickly as possible. All right, we'll see what the weather happens uh, with there as well. All right, next Dallas on the road in Jacksonville. Let me see. We are down to. Well, I can shot this one too. Um, Dallas is minus four in a few spots. There's a four and a half on FanDuel. Points bet still hanging a five here. Uh, 47 and a half is the total. Um, it's moved a bit. This is sixes, six and a halfs in the look ahead market. Um, and I think a pretty clear response to how these two clubs looked last week. Dallas, huge home favorites. and took a, it took until like the late, late fourth quarter for a stop and a score to put away the Texans B team. Not great. On the other hand, Jags on the road took advantage of a bunch of Tennessee injuries, uh, rolled them up pretty good. And you keep hearing um, that they maybe kept their playoff hopes alive in that process as well. Public's really yo-yoed really hard on, on Jacksonville here. Everyone was really excited about him heading into Detroit two weeks ago after they beat the Ravens the week before. Everyone jumped off the bandwagon uh, heading into Tennessee after the Detroit loss. Now everyone's back in. We've seen a ton of early love here in this matchup, Daigle, for Jacksonville. Uh, give me your thoughts on this one. And everyone cites this <clears throat> stretch that Trevor Lawrence has endured since week nine, where he's completed 72% of his passes for 10 touchdowns and no picks. But he was only pressured on 30% of his dropbacks in one of those games, and that was his worst performance against the Lions, which he did get injured, but he also didn't miss a series. He returned for that game and then, of course, blew up against the Titans just last week. Eight of Lawrence's 10 touchdowns in that span have also come inside the 20. And in that same time since their bye, Dallas has allowed the league's fewest pass attempts and completions inside the red zone as they've been just a, a shutdown defense. So whereas I have many questions about Jags offense and actually a tough spot, 
I don't have any questions about not only the Jags defense, but the Cowboys offense too. The Cowboys are still averaging 35 points per game. since Dak returned from injury. The Jags are allowing 27 points per game, including 285 passing yards through the air since week six. Uh, and even in the last month, Jacksonville allowing the third highest rate of passing touchdowns, including a 62% completion rate with league leading nine touchdowns inside the red zone. So uh, my, my breakdown is as simple as the Jaguars can't stop the Cowboys. And I question if the Jaguars can move the ball uh, to match point for point against the Cowboys. Yeah. I kind of agree with Daigle here, Connor. The move feels like it's gone a little, little too far um, in my opinion, but I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I, I agree, especially on the Dallas side, specifically offensively. Um, my my kind of look for this game was the over. I thought that, that interesting at 47 and a half. I thought that that was a couple a couple points too low because, like you said, like I expect Dallas's offense to have plenty of success here, 30-plus points pretty easily. Um, and then the Jacksonville's offense is obviously super volatile. Like, And I think that that plays into what you're talking about, Noonan, with – you know, a couple weeks ago, everyone was super excited for them against Detroit. They lay an egg, but then they just, you know, look like world beaters against the Titans. Like, you know, I would say much better Titans defense than the, uh, you know, than the Lions. So I think that that's okay though, for this total, because looking at kind of their combined games here, um, the Jags, the last three games, 58, 54 and 55 combined points. Uh, and then Dallas is Dallas has gone over 47 and a half in all of their games since the bye. And the only one, except for one where they won 40 to three. So I'd expect a little bit more pushback than uh, that from the Jags. But yes, I would, I would lean towards Dallas side at minus four, but I also think that this game could easily go well over the total. If the Jaguars put up like anything reasonable offensively, I'm talking like, I don't know, 13, 17 points and should still go over. Yeah. If you're looking at that, so I do think there's more volatility on that Jags offensive side. And I agree with you. That's why I think, more than the game total, I prefer to maybe attack a Cowboys team total, 26 and a half as well. So it's sitting on the right spot of where we would want it to be from, you know, they just, it takes the Jaguars aspect out of it, right? Because we know that this Cowboys defense can be really good. Um, you can shut down the perimeter. They've done it all season. They can force turnovers and get pressure. And again, like, I don't want to like let the Cowboys off the hook for last week, but it's not uncommon to, to know that like, Gosh, this is the worst team in the league coming to town. We're rolling right now. They're not even bringing like their best. It's very easy for you, even as a professional athlete, to kind of be like, nah, just kind of like go through it a little bit. And they got caught with their pants down. And then yet, like, certain guys in game react quicker than others. And by the time everyone gets on the same page, it's late in the fourth quarter, like, we, we got to get this going. And, you know, again, it's just going to happen over the course of a season. And it happened to them in a big way. And luckily, they. Again, it would have been a terrible loss. Luckily, they caught it before it was too late. They should have lost. Yeah. They I mean they fumbled, they fumbled inside the 10, and the Texans just didn't score, would have put them up 30 to 20. And instead, they couldn't punch it in from like the one yard line. And then Dallas has a 99 yard drive to score and finish it. I mean, obviously that separates what's a good team and bad team, but still like Let's I say mean, they they literally just ignored their opponent until less than two minutes remaining, had to go 98 yards and did. That that was the moral of the game. Which again, you do kind of it's not a win for them, but it's a win in, in you know multiple aspects. But like you want to be able to see that they can do that when they have to. You'd love for them to not just lay an egg for three quarters. But um, you know, again, I can understand just the human nature uh, and the psychology of it all. Like you know, we're talking about the grinds of content. These guys are literally going out every day, getting pounded. Uh, it's a different grind for them. So when you get out there, and you're like, oh, I just kind of want to go through the motions a little bit. We should be able to just kind of cruise here. We can, maybe can get the fourth quarter off and they get caught off guard with a team. That's really got nothing to lose. They're just trying to put a good tape out there for their further, their career. And 
and some guys probably did. So good for them. Uh, keep the train rolling. They're on the clock. Um, I don't think the Bears will be able to catch them for the first pick, but uh, you know, good for the Texans for doing their best. We'll see what they do this week against the Chiefs. Which sucks because I got some Bears least wins tickets, and those are, I mean, close if the Texans mm. weren't the worst, you know, like just the worst. Finish off a game or two and we'd be cooking, you know? Yeah. Bears under five and a half is looking real good, though. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, Phil- yeah. Philly, Buffalo, Detroit next three for the Bears. So uh, <laughs> Justin Fields not practicing either right now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, not, not great. All right. Uh, next here, last of the Sunday bunch, we have the aforementioned uh, game between the Bengals and the Bucks. Uh, let me see where our odds are at here, see what's shifted. Uh, moved a little bit. We are out to three and a half on the Buccaneers across the board. 44 is the total. FanDuel with a rogue 43 and a half, uh, which I think matters um, as far as game totals go. Uh, Bagel's late season run has been impressive. Um, Sunday's win against the Browns came with an injury tax. It's going to make this late season stretch here a bit more difficult. Um, obviously, much has been made of the T. Higgins usage or lack thereof after playing just one snap last week. Also lost Tyler Boyd early after he dislocated a finger. He did practice in limited fashion on Wednesday. You think he'll probably still be out, but it was interesting to see that he did get out there at least today. Also lost Trey Hendricks, their top pass rusher. Broke his wrist mid-game uh, like an absolute boss. He continued to play, uh, but he will likely be out for this one. We saw Trey Hendricks wear a club on his hand for much of the late season run last season. So maybe we see Club Hendricks again, uh, but probably not here. His absence would be a welcome sight for the Bucks offense, especially while Tristan Wirfs still remains out. They have done a terrible job at protecting Tom Brady of late, and this Bucks offense continues to spin their tires. It's been really rough to watch. I mean. I don't think we expected much out of them in San Francisco, uh, but it's probably even worse than expected. It's not going to be any better to watch this game because these two quarterbacks last month, no, last three weeks now, including Joe Burrow, uh, have shifted everything, and they are top three with Trevor Lawrence and fastest time from snap to throw because that's what the Bengals have done. That's what they switched to make sure Joe Burrow basically doesn't take sacks anymore himself. It's going to be a lot of dump-offs. It's going to be a slow-moving game. Um, even in these last three games, Burrow is only going downfield on 6.9% of his attempts, which is the fourth-fewest in the league in that time. Um, just less shots, 20 yards downfield. So the the Bucks swell haven't even reached 23 points in nine consecutive games now. Like, this one's going to suck. Good luck. I heard lots of dump offs. I'm thinking linebacker tackles. So <laughs> we're, we're good here. Lots uh, of them. Lots, lots of them. Yeah. Uh, what do you got here, Connor? Yeah, it's it's interesting because the Bucks like they want to run the ball, but they can't like at all. And then like like predictably last week against the Niners, obviously they couldn't run. They tried to a little bit and then they're like, Brady's like, okay, not doing this. Pass the ball 55 times or whatever it was. Now, I mean, kind of a similar spot here. Like DJ Reader matters defensively. Uh, like he's good at clogging the run. They're probably going to try and run the ball in the first quarter, fail, and then end up having to pass the ball 50 times again uh, to keep way, to keep up with the Bengals at all, who I think should have, like, I wouldn't say a ton of success, but I would certainly more success than the Bucs. Uh, it sucks that this number's three and a half. Would have loved to have grabbed a three here on the Bengals side, um, but probably still lean towards the Bengals. I just I, I just don't think you can bet on the Bucs right now, just given what we've seen like or haven't seen you know, for the last... Uh, what do you say? Nine games, you know, for offensively. So, 
It's been gross. I mean, we've seen a like neutered Chris Godwin, essentially like very, very low a dot. Um, you know, the Mike Evans stuff has been talked about a lot. It's just been, you know, a lot of empty air yards and empty calories and uh, hopefully DPIs, but mostly just, you know, pl- things that just haven't been working. And I feel like they really miss Gronk. Um, they just haven't had that like consistent tight end that, you know, third down chain mover this season. The run game has been atrocious, as you guys both mentioned. It's just been kind of a rough go. Be interested to see what happens with them moving forward. I think we probably, more likely than not, get them in the playoffs. And, uh, again, right now it looks like they're set to probably play Dallas, who I can't imagine um, that we wouldn't all be, like, dying to to lay uh, anything less than, you know, six and a half, seven on that game uh, desperately in the playoffs because I just – I can't see – the Bucks really getting to a point where they can score consistently to hang with some of these best teams in the NFC. So it's uh it's ugly sledding here. I mean, that would have to be like nine and a half, ten. Like, I mean, there's yeah, it has to be over a touchdown for sure. Otherwise, it's yeah. a, that's a hammer. Especially it would be at Dallas. I would or well, maybe no. not, because they'd be they'd be, Dallas they'd be, be in Tampa. Maybe that's yep. better, actually, to be honest. I don't even think that matters because Dallas would just roll them. Yeah, Dallas, you know, for the most part, locked into the, the number five at this point. So uh which is wild. We're a month, you know, out basically. So, all right. Uh, last we'll do the Thursday game: San Francisco in Seattle. Um, this one is again, obviously, a playoff implications here. Again, shop. Uh, there are some different prices out there. DraftKings out to three and a half on San Francisco, though it is basically even odds. Whereas, you know, points bets, Caesars, Fanduel, uh, still hanging threes. Forty-three is the total as we typically see. Fanduel a little off market. Uh, 43 and a half, which is an uh, interesting little number there. Without the threat of a run game against the Panthers, a lot of that pressure fell on Geno Smith against Carolina, and it did not go well. Um, test only gets harder here against the Niners on a short week. Um, looks like Ken Walker will be back. That should help a little bit, but again, really tough sledding for him against the Niners. Uh, this first matchup was one of Geno's worst performances of the season. Niners defense is a buzzsaw right now. Um, in terms of market dynamics, feels like an interesting spot. Um, we've had a few dominant performances from San Francisco, uh, you know, prime time, late windows, last couple of weeks, absolutely throttled their opponents. And that's kind of the opposite of what we happened last week. We saw what happened last week with Seattle. Um, I don't think we should like blindly chase these situational spots, but I also feel like Brock Purdy, pretty soft landing spot last week. Again, like home game, Tampa's kind of reeling. First road start. In the division, short week in Seattle, which again can be a pretty def- difficult place to play. Uh, Zay, I'd love to get your thoughts here on the Thursday nighter. And Gino has turned the ball over six times in his last three starts. But more importantly, I look to Seattle's defense because it's just falling apart. Over the last month, 28.5 points per game, 5.7 yards per play, and generating the league's fifth lowest pressure rate in that span. Also allowing over five yards per carry and seven total rushing touchdowns to opposing running backs in that time. And that's exactly how the 49ers are going to hit them on Thursday, especially with Brock Purdy now limited and likely to start, but still maybe being questionable for this game. So, yeah, I, I question like how Seattle punches back, honestly. Gino even came out and told the media he wasn't going to take as many chances and get back to the way he played and taking what the defense gives him as he did the first couple months of the year. But what does that mean against the league's best defense and best pass rush? I don't know. So, yeah, I, I just have the utmost faith 
that the 49ers won't struggle to move the ball. And I don't know what's going to happen for the Seahawks. Yeah. Colin, I feel like three and a half is the right play. But again, I, I do feel like, again, I, I'm the square who believes what he's seen from the Niners of late. Um, what are your thoughts here? No, 100%. We're betting against uh, the market. There's a three at FanDuel right now, and I like that. Uh, but we're definitely betting against uh, like the sharp side here because this should be, I think, like, I don't know, six and a half, honestly, here, like six. Uh, you know, that's what I would make the number. And so in this spot, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. Uh, I don't really have too much to add besides we're probably missing something. And, uh, you know, there's 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 a lot of interest, it seems like, on the Seattle side here with the m- number not moving towards the Niners. But what do you guys think Kenneth Walker's role is going to be when he comes back? Looks like player prop is 49 and a half rushing yards. I wanted to bet the under. I mean, he's only gone over that four times this year. Really struggled as of late. Uh, banged up. Tough matchup. Like, I don't know. I, I get scared fading a guy who's flash talent, but like he's had like four good games and the rest have been pretty bad as he's been injured. So any, I mean, any thoughts on that one? I mean, just because he has the you know, big playability, which has been part of, you know, his success this year when he hasn't had some of those big electric plays, he's had some pretty, you know, middling performances. So yeah, I mean, I think you have multiple outs on the ender because it's such a tough matchup. Uh, he could just be limited, right? He could be extremely limited to early down advantageous, you know, chain situation. So you could have just some baked in, um, you know, outs in, in that spot. And again, maybe if he is limited and things get wonky late, uh, maybe he is is rested and, and saved for another day. Because again, win or lose, they're still in the playoff picture here. Um, so I, I not a play for I mean, me, but I, I like the look. Uh, yeah, I like under. Literally no one's reached 60 yards rushing against the 49ers yet this year. So I, I can't imagine like he's the first one to do it when he's banged up. Yeah, no, that's that's good. Yeah, it's, I, was, I was waiting for a couple more outs here to, to catch up, but it's like the number is certainly, I mean, adjusted already. You know, like his normal number was like in the 60s, um, but I feel like it's just there's enough outs with like the, you know, injury, workload concerns, efficiency concerns, you know, game scripts concerns if the Niners blow them out, like you mentioned. Uh, I was also considering another angle here would be on the other side with like Jordan Mason rushing yards because like I expect McCaffrey to get the most of the work. Right, but his prop is 80 rushing yards already, uh, which is pretty hefty. And I feel like there's got to be someone else that they use. And I think that guy's Jordan Mason for probably in like the five to ten ish carry range at this point. Uh, I mean, any thoughts I, there or no? I'm not saying you're wrong, but uh, they literally didn't use him until McCaffrey was benched in the third quarter last week. McCaffrey literally played every snap. Um, and when they had Debo in the backfield, they used McCaffrey at wide receiver. Like they keep McCaffrey on the field until. They blow a team out. So if you were suggesting that those props correlate because Walker would go under and most likely in that case, and then Mason would get run. Otherwise, uh, like I, I don't know because McCaffrey's staying in this game with a limited quarterback for sure until it's out of hand. Yeah, that's there's also a 16 and a half rushing attempts for him, which I think the over there is probably a good look as well for McCaffrey. Especially because- without Debo, yeah. Yeah, like I just like that's what I'm saying. Like, I just legit don't know who's going to get the ball. Like, I feel like they probably don't McCaffrey. want him 25. I mean, like, did they run yeah, it 25 times? Like, I feel like that's stupid, but like, I mean, who, who else are they going to give it to? Jordan, they're not going to give it to Jordan Mason that much, right? Like, if they, if at all. So, no, I think it's just too thin to be banking on, um, you know, game script benching type situations where you're, you know, because um, Daigle's right. I mean, you know, it's his usage has been, you know, prime Carolina esque um, and just a, you know, better 
<laughs> better offense, better weapons, uh, smarter coaching. It's been just, you know, fun to watch. So yeah, I, uh, I'm with you. I, I like the Walker look. I probably I stay away from the Mason look. Maybe if it's available live, like if you get a feel for this game's getting just kind of out of hands, if they still have that posted, there's probably some, uh, some viability to taking a, a stab at it live, but uh, not something I would take pregame. So, all right, gents, anything else on the board that you guys wanted to, to uh, take a look at? Again, we have, uh, you know, three games, you know, Colts, Vikings, uh, Ravens, Browns on Saturday to go along with the Dolphins and the Bills game. And then, you know, fairly normal Sunday slate on top of it. And then uh, kind of a stinker on Monday night with the Rams and Packers. But uh, any other looks that you guys wanted to share? Connor, I'll start with you. Yeah, it's it sucks because I only have four more chances to fade the Bears. So I'm going to take advantage of that here with the, the Eagles minus nine. Uh, I think, I mean, I don't think it's a massive value or anything. I think, I just think it should be 10. Uh, you know, I feel like this is a, a spot where the Eagles here win by double digits. As you, as you mentioned, fields a questionable with some kind of illness needs as much practice. You can get no Darnell Mooney. Uh, like, I mean, Chase Claypool still doesn't understand the playbook. So like, it's going to have to basically be Justin Fields running a bunch, which they scaled back the designed runs last time, uh, you know, prior to the buy only six total carries compared to what he was getting like 15 plus. Uh, prior to that. So, you know, I think in this spot here, like the Eagles can put up easily 30. I know the, the Bears do get back Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon, which I guess kind of matters, but I don't really think matters too much against a team like like the Eagles. So, uh, and the Bears right now just getting steamrolled otherwise. So, you know, I, I think the Eagles here just go to Chicago and lay like another 35. And uh, I'm not really too sure that the Bears here are able to keep up uh, in any sense. Small card for me this week. Also, Noon and hammer the point home, but do make sure if you're betting Dolphins plus seven and a half, line chop it because it's seven at most books, but you can still get a hook out there. And like, I wouldn't bet it at seven, but I also bet over 48 on the Colts and Vikings uh, before thinking we get pushback from both sides of the ball here. Kirk Cousins, well, as we know, Gus Bradley for the Colts leans on cover three, 42% of his snaps, second of the league. Um, and Kirk Cousins against it gets zone coverage this year. 75% of his passes has completed for 9.1 yards per attempt. Vikings won't have issues moving the ball, but more importantly, everyone looks at Matt Ryan and notes his struggles, and that's true, but he also played the Steelers, Cowboys, and Eagles in his last three starts for the bye, whereas in the rare occasions he's had elite matchups this year, Texans, Titans, and Jaguars, he did pass for over 350 yards in all three of those games, and Vikings have allowed a 300-yard passer in six of their last eight games. So I like the over. I like a lot of points in that first game on Saturday morning. Um, and then to close my card, I had also bet – what the hell else did I bet? Noonan, <laughs> tell me what else you bet while I look this up. <laughs> So I'm I like I'm with Connor on the Eagles thing. I just want to put this out there because I don't think that the Bears have the ability to do any of this. But this has a very similar vibe to last week's Dallas in Houston game. There's a massive look ahead spot for the Eagles on the docket with the Cowboys next week. Um, short week for them to you know travel. Like I think that's a Saturday game. And I I think that it's a massive mismatch. And I just can't see the Bears doing anything to slow down the Eagles. It just feels like one of those look-ahead spots. The Eagles clinched a playoff spot. They're going into Chicago knowing, like, this Bears team is terrible. We can do whatever we want against them. Um, I don't know what the number would need for me to be to back the Bears in it. It would have to be very large, larger than it is. Um, I'm just a little nervous on 
be and again that could look stupid and right away it's like gosh they, they it's just 17 seven at the end of one and you're like yeah of course it is like these two teams are in like totally different atmospheres um it just makes me a little bit nervous uh when you get these situations like they don't need this one but they got dallas on deck um yeah not out there no that's a good point but uh i think the the lock of the week as it has been every week i think it's what 12 and one at this point eagles first half over 13 and a half points yeah. uh has or only eagles, missed in one game this year yeah that or eagles two touchdowns depending on what the price is is uh is been hitting it in insane insane rates uh it's basically the uh nick chubb longest rush of uh you know first half props uh just lock those two in and then uh, build the rest of your card. So um, pretty light card for me in terms of uh, sides and totals so far. It's not a, uh, not a great spot. I'd love to get your thoughts, Daigle, on what you think we're going to see from Desmond Ritter um, this matchup with the Falcons and Saints. Dude, I'd, I don't know. He was one of the worst third down passers in the nation. So like on money downs, which actually has been shown to be sticky from college to NFL, um, he just struggled so much. Uh, I don't know. I'm worried. I'm worried. And plus, like, the Saints defense has been good the last month. Like, the fact they held San Francisco to 13 points before we saw them for the bye. Uh, yeah, I, I, I genuinely don't know, but I definitely lean more towards worried. It's, it's interesting because with Ritter, like, it's not necessarily that he was, like, uh, a really aggressive runner, but he can run the ball. Like, and he's he ran, like, a 4-5-2. You know, he has, he's very athletic and like, there's a narrative that like, and there's been a narrative for a while that, oh, like, please put in Ritter. They're going to pass way more, you know, like without uh Mariota. I don't really think that's true. I think they're going to run the shit out of the ball still. And I think they're going to use Ritter almost exactly how they use Mariota. Probably get, throw him on some designed runs. Probably just, I mean, they're going to give him a chance to show what he's got. But like, I, you know, I genuinely think that like, sure. There's maybe more pass volume, uh, like slightly, but like really marginal, you know, like I really think like we're probably talking like two to three more attempts per game, not like 10. Like I think some people expect. Um, I, I remember my other bet. <laughs> I, I remember why I didn't want to say it. Uh, I, I am, this is more for the prop show. Actually, I'm laddering Rashid Shahid this week <laughs> who ran the second most routes was used in two wide sets before the saints went on by and he's still averaging over 18 yards per catch. The Falcons allowing the sixth most yards per target to opposing wide receivers. And you look at their passing defense metrics, but also like note they've played Kenny Pickett, Taylor Heineke, Justin Fields, and PJ Walker over the last month, even like in week nine, Justin Herbert, remember that game that I stacked like a donkey in DFS. He didn't have anyone to throw to and he averaged uh, around 5.7 yards per attempt. But before then, like quarterbacks were teeing off Tom Brady, 350, Jimmy Garoppolo, nearly 300 yards. Joe Burrow went for 480. And so like, any competent quarterback play, which I think Dalton give them after a bye, like will lead to explosiveness on offense. We take out Mark Ingram from this offense. So I really think there's a sneaky, there's, there's a sneaky path here for Rashid Shahid to get over a hundred yards. Let's get it. Yeah. 74% uh, route participation in the week 13 yeah. before. Yeah. It's not bad. I mean, uh, it's probably no going to be like 35, probably like it's going to be really That's low. why we're laddering it, buddy. We're point <laughs> <this> shit. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I mean, two fantasy leagues, they made the playoffs. One, uh, Lamar at quarterback, the other with Kyler. Um, so I am forced to start Andy Dalton uh, in the playoff matchup. It's a really weekend. good spot. 
that's uh I'm hoping that uh Shahid can get there and, and chip in. Uh Connor, did you make the playoffs in either of those leagues? Kettle strings, yeah. But did you? Yeah, I'm in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The big one is my team is good. My team is good. I got I got a bunch of bunch of ballers on this team. This is a 14 man league. My team is stacked. The big one is Connor and Connor and Sam Hoppin are still in the main event. Whereas our team in the main event, just injuries caught up to us. Like we couldn't fight off injuries too many. I mean, kudos to you though. This is why I like doing leagues with you because we are rolling out like the shittiest waiver wire lineup I've ever seen in the playoffs. And like, you know, we're still competing, you know, we're still getting close, which uh, I cannot say for most other leagues and just in general, like I, it's, it's very rare to see people put together that complete of lineups uh, just on the waiver wire. So Daigle, shout out to you. Appreciate it's as that. If, it's if, as if corporate told me I better have a waiver wire call him <laughs> out by 3 p.m. every Monday. Exactly. It's as if he doesn't sleep on Sunday nights uh, because <laughs> right. he is grinding. We're, we're, in the, we're in that meeting. Bet's, we're in a golf meeting. Are we even doing a show anymore? We were in that golf <laughs> meeting, Connor. And uh, like I noted, they were asking me and I said, and, or someone asked me if I was feeling better from last week. And this was on Monday, I think. And I was like, I'm still like definitely laggy, but I did get seven hours of sleep last night. So we're feeling good. I scheduled on my tweets ahead of time. And yeah. Sam said, is seven hours a lot? I was like, buddy, like it's football <laughs> season. What do you think happens over here? Shocker that Sam finds seven hours to be yeah. on the light side. Yeah. Sam sleeps 13 hours a night. Yeah. Yep. For sure. He's in, we, we can talk about it. He's in bed right now, so we don't have to worry about him listening to this. So. <laughs> Maybe he'll catch us tomorrow morning on his 5 a.m. run. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff as always. So, all right. Uh, that wraps up uh, week 15 show. Reminder, again, Friday prop drop. Dago won't be there, but you already got his ladder play of the week. Uh, Chase that. Uh, Shahid up there to, you know, I'm with Connor. He'll probably be, yeah, he'll be in the mid-30s. Uh, he's in a nice day with Andy Dalton propelling me to uh, – Hopefully meet Connor later in the playoffs here. Um, Good stuff as always. For Connor and Daniel, I'm Ryan. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone.